0: Welcome to Truth Triumphant Radio. I'm your host, Cody Mori, And today, let's talk about giving glory to God and what that means. Last time, uh, it took a little while, actually. We have a lot of quotes to go over today as well. But there were, we looked at last time, what it means to give, uh, not, not to give glory to God, but to fear God. Uh, Which we found meant keeping the commandments. Not only keeping the commandments, but hating evil. And that actually it was an an unattainable goal um, in, in the carnal sense. That not you, not me, not anybody could have in their own strength been able to keep God's commandments and hate evil especially. Some people might have been able to keep the commandments for some time. I don't know anybody in this generation that could, but perhaps maybe there was somebody who could keep the commandments in the letter. But could they change the way they thought? Could they change their heart, their heart yearning? That's not something that could be done so that, as we learned last time, when we look to Jesus, we can find that He He is our righteousness, and that He can change us, and He can give us the power to be able to keep His commandments, and that's what He expects of us. That's what we. I actually have a quote from uh, John chapter fifteen where He talks about that. Of course, there's the there's also John four uh, John chapter fourteen verse fifteen where it's uh, where He says, "If you love me, keep my commandments," and that's what it means to love to love God is to keep his commandments according to Romans chapter thirteen. Romans chapter thirteen, which says if I can get there, uh, which says uh, we'll start in verse eight, owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this, saying namely that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So when Christ says, I give you a new law, that you love one another, He's still telling them to keep the commandments. According to New Testament teacher, the Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 13, keeping the law of God, because the ones he listed there were from the law of God, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. Those are all commandments. And then he said, if there be any other commandment, that's all of them, it's briefly comprehended in this saying namely thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself so the law of love is the 10 commandments that's what it is it's the 10 commandments the two are one and the same and yeah again we'll look we'll look at another verse that has to do with that but want to look at giving glory to god and again we're doing this we're doing this because it's the most important message in these last days. If there's, if there's podcasts or that you've listened to from me that you've enjoyed in the past, these podcasts that I'm, I'm doing right now are the most important that, that I've done, by far. I'm going to go through the first angel's message, then I'm going to go through the second angel's message, and then I'm going to go through the third angel's message, and then probably look at the fourth angel as well. Even if briefly. Uh, But we'll talk about all those things. So let's get right into it. Giving glory to God. What does that mean? Because remember, the first angel, when he starts to speak, he says, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. That's verse 7. Of Revelation chapter 14. So what does that mean? Well, if we go to John chapter 15, John chapter 15 and verses 1 through 10, just to give some context, it says this, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now are ye clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Now, he's saying the other side of, right there, before we continue, he's saying the other side of the coin of what we're talking about with fearing God. Fearing God is simply keeping his commandments. Now he's telling you how. You have to abide in him. For without him, you can do nothing. I can do nothing. None of us can. So we have to abide in him. We have to be totally submissive to his will and ask Him to work a miracle in us each and every day. If we don't yearn for it, if we don't anguish for it, if we don't beg God and plead for this every single day, we won't get it. If we don't plead for the victory, if we don't beg and grovel for the victory over whatever sin it is or sins that are keeping us from having that that perfect character, many maybe there's many maybe there's maybe there's one that's just in your way or maybe there's just one that's just in your way till the next step of your christian experience if you don't beg and plead and of with anguish of spirit and just laying yourself out open before the lord if you don't beg for to overcome that sin you're not going to We can't be careless about this. And in the time frame that we're living in, how much time do you think we have left? You remember, and I've said this before, but you remember the sin of Sodom. Sodom was a type of God's final judgment and destruction of the world where they were destroyed. They were completely destroyed. What was the sin that was highlighted in Sodom? It was fornication. It was homosexuality. With the homosexual movement that has been on steroids really since the '70s, and has continued to climb. Now we have um, gay marriage, and and all these you know Supreme Court cases on whether or not you can make a cake for for people, and these these things are probably going to start coming back up again. Look at what it looks like now. It's it's removed even further beyond just homosexuality, and it's moved into transgenderism. That's what the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Um, it's part of their mission statement of what they're about. That's why I said in the, in the previous in the previous message that it bothers me very much that there are pastors, uh, even in the Seventh Day Adventist Church, that are are saying that the church should support Black Lives Matter. Well, can you support something that is saying that we're fighting for transgender rights and things like that if you're a Christian? You can't, because if, if your conscience is captive to the word of God, What does the Bible say about those things? He says homosexuality is an abomination in Leviticus chapter 18. It also says in the New Testament that a man that wears women's clothing is an abomination. He didn't just say it was a sin. He didn't say it was unclean. He didn't say it was unsightly. He said it was an abomination. Those are the words that God chose to, to use to describe it. And... Moreover, I think it's like 50%, if I was remembering the stats just off the top of my head here, it's like 50% of the black community do not support transgenderism. So how, how are they, how are they rep- representative of the black community if 50% disagree with them on that? They're not. That's, that, that's the simple answer. And they're controlled by Marxists, and that's why I'm bothered that there are Seventh-day Adventists that say that if you disagree with the with the black lives matter movement that you're one of these dog whistleblower people that's insane folks that's insanity well call me whatever you want i cast my lot with the lord and i am going to abide by the word of god according to the conscience uh, that i according to my conscience and what i see and what i understand in the word of god You know, I mean, just to bring it full circle, because without Christ, I can do nothing. So I'm not going to do what's right in my own eyes. I'm going to do what's right in His eyes and trust in Him. Because there are many things, folks. There are many things that I wouldn't have a problem with if I was just thinking this through on my own with reason alone. If I was just left with reason, I would think there was a lot of things that God disagree with. So I would think they're okay. I would think movies are okay. I would think... Uh, Drinking some alcohol and things like that on occasion are okay. I would think homosexual marriage is okay. But I'm not taught those things in the spirit of prophecy and in the scriptures. Therefore, I have to take my reason and subjugate my reason to the Word of God. There's a final authority on these things, and it is the Word of God. And if if my conscience isn't captive to the Word of God, then what am I doing pretending to be a Christian? Because that's what a Christian is. Christian follows his Lord. He does what his master says. And our master is Jesus. And that's a relationship, folks. I do that not because that's what I'll do. That's what i got to do to be saved. I don't do it because of that. I do it because I love him and I trust him. And he's taken me out of a, an unbelievable hell, which some of you might be able to understand. Um... But each one of us has our own, our own hell here on earth. And he's brought us out of that. When I, was, when I was in the bottle and I was drinking all the time, I knew I was a slave and I hated it. And I sought to take my own life on a number of occasions. And for whatever reason, it just didn't pan out. One of the, one of the times I was just too cowardly to do it. And, and I praise God that he took me away from all that stuff and gave me a new life. Because I'll tell you, if I went to heaven right now and Jesus wasn't there, I wouldn't want to be there. And that's the type of Christian that each and every one of us needs to be. We need to be a Christian that that if, if Jesus wasn't in heaven, you wouldn't want to be there because it's a relationship. Heaven will be everything because Jesus will be there. And without him, we can't do anything. But let's continue on. That was sorry off, Sorry for the sidetrack there, but let's continue on in uh, John chapter 15. It says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified. That ye bear much fruit. So, bearing fruit is how we glorify God. Bearing fruit is how we glorify God. So, what does it mean to bear fruit? We'll take a look at that in a second. Let me finish off this quote here. It says, So shall ye be my disciples. So, it says, once again, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So again, another pointing back to keeping the commandments, where Jesus says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And he also says in the, the chapter right before, as I've mentioned, If you love me, keep my commandments. So it's all of this is predicated on a faith that works by love and purifies the soul. Love is the power. You have to love God. And if you don't, ask him. Ask him. We're evil. We're naturally evil. It's okay to need everything <laughs> from him. Lord, I need a... I, that's what David asked for. He said, "Created me a clean I need a new heart. This heart doesn't work. This heart doesn't care about others. This heart didn't care about Uriah, um, Uriah the Gittite. This heart didn't care about Bathsheba. I need a new heart, Lord. One that cares. So you can simply ask the Lord for that. So bearing fruit is how God is glorified. What does that mean? Well, of course it means spreading the gospel. That's literally bearing fruit. Right? When you when you labor for others, you plant that seed, and then it bears fruit, and there's a harvest, right? So that is one clear example. But if you go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through, through 25, it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. So bearing fruit, fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So, love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. All those aspects will be character traits. Some will be uh, uh more superior than others, and in, in individuals. Some some individuals have special gifts when it comes to gentleness, you know, and, and joy and peace. And some have special gifts of faith. But all of us will have kernels of all of this, and these are the fruits of the spirit. And this is actually what wins souls. So it actually kind of ties into the very first thing I said, anyway. It's through love and diligent labor for somebody else, having joy, not getting angry at them, bringing peace, being patient with people, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. All of these things are what's going to win souls to Christ. Now, if we go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 9, we get another um, aspect of the fruits of the Spirit. It says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth so goodness righteousness and truth so speaking the truth in love and righteousness so so good works so having good works doesn't good works doesn't save you but good works is a fruit of the spirit which identifies the type of tree that is bearing the fruit Uh, a saved tree Will bear the fruit of works of righteousness. Now, there's also, uh, for the sake of time, we're not going to go there. But there's, you can also read James chapter three verse eighteen, Hebrews chapter twelve verse eleven, and Philippians chapter one verse eleven, where they all point to the fact that righteousness is associated as as the great fruit that glorifies God. Now. If we go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So again, good works is being highlighted there. So the fruits of the Spirit and good works, laboring for others, this is what glorifies God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. That when, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So again, good works, doing good works. This is how God is glorified. So just to recap there a little bit. When the first angel is, is saying with a loud voice, fear God, he's saying, keep the commandments of God and hate evil. And then when he says give glory to him, he's saying bear fruit and have good works. But he's not only saying that, there's also another very important aspect of glorifying God that is associated here. If you look for uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, this is a well-known verse, a lot of us know it. It says, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, so we can't overeat and overdrink to the glory of God. What, and whatever we do, you know, whatever you're consuming, whether it's, it's a, a television show or a movie or, or some type of amusement, is it ennobling? Does it glorify God? If it doesn't, if it, perhaps it makes fun of God in the show or in the amusement you're watching. Perhaps it downgrades uh, human beings in some way. Perhaps it has some type of agenda that it's trying to push upon you. None of those things would qualify as something that would be glorifying for God. So we got to make sure that everything that we do, that we do all to the glory of God. So our, our diets, our, our temperance and health habits, and everything that we do, it all has to be consecrated to the glory of God. I know, another tall order. It's a tall order, folks. So we have to count the cost, and we have to ask ourselves, is this what we want? Is this what we want? But I tell you, I promise you, if you give it a chance, if you give it a chance, A true chance. You will have peace. You will have fulfillment like this world could never, ever give you. And the Lord is not trying to take away from us things that are helpful to us or harmless. He's trying to take away things that are haphazard, harmful to us. And when he takes something away, he always puts in something much better. So, dietary. Dietary goes in that. That's how we glorify God. Again, from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18-20. through 20, It says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore... Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And again, that's very all-encompassing. The things that you do with your body, are they glorifying to God? Now, the thing highlighted right before that was fornication specifically, but you can expand that principle into anything. I mean, can you smoke a cigarette and actively destroy the temple of God? No, you can't. Can you drink alcohol and actively destroy the temple of God? No. Now some people think that the Bible tells that gives them license to have just a few. It actually doesn't. If you if you actually do a study and you read everything that the Bible has to say about alcohol specifically, drinking alcohol, alcoholic wine or strong drink, it's never positive ever. There's never a time where it says, yeah, this is a good thing, and this is what I want you to do. It's always, always, always negative. If you don't believe me, study it out for yourself. But I have a quote here from uh, L. Gross in a book called How Much is Too Much? The Effects of Social Drinking, written in 1983, page 161. It says this, Investigations into the effects of alcohol on the brain now indicate that drinking at moderate levels can impair cognitive powers even on the next day when the drinker is sober. Wow. So can you can you do that even if you're just having a couple? Can you socially drink and destroy your brain to the glory of God? Is that is that glorifying and keeping keeping sanctified and holy your body temple no it's not I have another one on alcohol because this one hits home for me about so it kinda bothers me um, about the confusion um, because I just know that this substance has destroyed so many people this is from Marilyn K Jones and Ben Morgan Jones in the journal studies on alcohol volume 41 number one written in 1980 this is what it says During the baseline memory task, moderate drinkers had significantly lower memory ratios than did light drinkers, suggesting that the heavier drink may differentially impair the ability to retain information or possibly result in a faster decay of memory traces. The relationship of age and drinking habits to the effects of alcohol on memory in women. That was the name of the study the relationship of age and drinking habits to the effects of alcohol on memory in women so it destroys your memory can you remember the word of god if you if you're destroying your memory actively no you can't now thirdly thirdly giving glory to god literally means that glorifying him so praising him you can find this in psalm chapter 19 verse 1 The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. So creation glorifies God. Also you have Psalm 29, verse 1 and 2. It says, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Interesting. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So being holy is how we glorify and worship the Lord. So, give unto the Lord glory unto his name. So, praising him. Now, all those aspects have to do with um, giving glory to God. So, fearing God, keeping his commandments. Just to summarize, keeping his commandments. Glorifying God, bearing fruit, and having our diets and praising him. That's fear God and give glory to him in a nutshell. Right there. And I wanted to talk about something also specifically with caffeine. Because caffeine is the one substance that so many Christians are using to this day. And I'm not going to read quotes from Mrs. White because there are there are plenty of quotes from Mrs. White where she talks about how it takes it takes from your future storehouse of energy and uses it now and gives you this this nervous energy and then you end up more tired in the end. But I want to ta- I just want to take a look at some of some quotes here from some of the some of the experts in the field from Olive T. Osborne Principles of Therapeutics page two fourteen says, while it stimulates, they are talking about caffeine here, it leaves the brain more fatigued after its action is over. It can do nothing but cause general nerve and brain fatigue unless adequate sleep is obtained. So there you have one quote in regards to that. From Newsweek, July 12, 1971. You probably won't see this now, but back in 71, it says, With the link between cigarettes and lung cancer already firmly established, it seems only a matter of time before the epidemiologists would get around to showing another breakfast tradition, the morning cup of coffee may pose some dire hazards of its own. Coffee, in fact, has for some time been suspected as a promoter of heart disease, and now in the British journal Lancet, a Harvard researcher reports that it may also be linked to cancer of the bladder particularly in women. The results showed that for women who drank one or more cups of coffee a day, the risk of developing bladder cancer was two and a half times greater than those who drank less than this or none at all. Let's do one more. From the U.S. News and World Report, March 23, 1981, page 8. The statistics indicated that a person who drank two cups of coffee a day ran twice as great a risk of pancreatic cancer as non-drinkers. Now think about what people are drinking today. People are drinking Monsters and Red Bulls and Amps and that uh, there's a new one, Bang and Rain. And there's so many other ones. And I used to struggle with, with these energy drinks specifically. A lot myself but these things are like six cups of coffee in one how much damage are those doing and don't think that just because oh I don't drink I don't drink the energy drinks so the cop well we just read about the coffee we just how bad I'm just saying how much worse is it for those others so we have to think about this very long and hard as I know so many people I know so many people that they need their cup of coffee they think they need their cup of coffee In the morning to wake up. Yes. Coming off of some detoxing from something like that. Is going to leave you extremely fatigued for some time. Maybe a month. Who knows. Maybe a couple weeks. All I ask is you just pray about this. And ask the Lord to help you. Because you're not going to be able to think as clearly. When your brain is being overworked in such a way. So we gotta make sure that we're doing all the things that we know we should be doing right. We gotta make sure that we're trying we're trying to get if you're an adult, you're you're getting at least seven hours of sleep a night. If you're someone who's in college, you're getting at least eight to nine hours of sleep a night. And that you're getting sunlight, you're getting exercise, fresh air. And this is all the op I mean, who have you seen even talk about this in regards to COVID nineteen? No, they want you to wear two, three masks now. How are you going to get fresh air with three masks on your face? Is that that pro-health or anti-health? That's anti-health. Breathing in your own CO2. But we have to make sure, you know, we're drinking plenty of water. We're temperate. Our diets are right. What we're eating and that we're doing it all to the glory of God. So it looks like we're just about out of time there. We're going to stop the show there. But we'll be back next time to look at the judgment and how the judgment is come. Not has come, not will come, is come. And we'll see what the time period that uh, is associated with that. We'll take a look at that closer next time. God bless.